0: Scott and for that cry. The most ghoulish of greetings to every single one of you. Thank you so much for stopping by and making Paranormal Prowlers Podcast part of your day. Those amazing tunes that just blessed your old ears are courtesy of the amazing country legend Bobby Mackey, and I, of course, am your host, Tessa Morrow. Today, we find ourselves in the ghost town of Bannock in Montana, 10 miles from Dillon. A major gold deposit was revealed here back in 1862 in Grasshopper's Creek by a gentleman named John White, and several other members from the Colorado Pikes, Peakers, and Bannock is established that very same year. Like we see in so many other mining towns, Bannock becomes an extremely successful boom town, and quite rapidly too. By 1863, just the year after it was established, there are thousands of people here where once nobody roamed. Most are miners hoping to make the big bucks to provide for them and their families. At one point, over 10,000 people called Bannock home, and it was much thanks to the gold. When Montana is turned into a territory, it is actually here in Bannock that they choose to become the capital. Now, obviously, this does not last very long, and it changes soon after, only in 1865. Now, unfortunately, Bannock is completely abandoned, sometime in the 1940s. And it is then, in 1947, when citizens of Montana, they venture over to the new ghost town. They know that it is important to keep the history in Bannock and begin to preserve the buildings. They put their hearts, souls, blood, sweat, and oh baby, those tears and money into Bannock. And bless their hearts for doing that. It always breaks my heart when I see an old historic building coming down or that it is in such ruins that if you're too close and you sneeze too loudly, it'll fall down and collapse. So when someone goes out of their way to save not just a building, mind you, but an entire town, that is pretty special in my book. Today, Bannock welcomes visitors from all over the place, and they have 60 amazing structures that still exist in this ghost town that people can go and check out. Today, it is a gorgeous state park, the history preserved, where one can go and walk back into time. And I love going to places like this, I really do. That's why I venture over to Tombstone every single year, because I feel like I am walking back into a different time, back into the 1800s. Looks like I will definitely have to put Bannock, Montana on my old bucket list as well. From 1863 until the following year, in 1864, Henry Plummer, he was the sheriff of Bannock, You better believe that he was a bad guy a hell of a lot longer than he was ever a good guy. And even when he was supposed to be a good guy, you know, with the badge and all, he was up to his bad ways. Now, let's just say that he was so bad that he and his gang of bad dudes landed themselves with a date with the gallows that he built himself, and ultimately with the noose. At 24 years old, Plummer, he becomes Marshall. In Nevada City, where he is respected. The citizens, they adore him. Mm, Some of them. At at least one. And a little too much. He was having an affair with a miner named John's wife. The miner, he hears about this and he confronts the lawman. John, he will die during this confrontation with Henry Plummer. In February of 1859, he is sentenced to 10 years in San Quentin for second-degree murder. Now, this does not sit well with the people, and they yell, self-defense, and present a petition that was signed by several, several people, and they give it to the governor. Now, it seems to do the trick, as he is released that very same year in August. I see that he was also suffering from tuberculosis, so that may have been the reason behind this very early release and not so much the petition signed by the people. Upon his release, he begins to spend most of his time at the brothel. He is loving having that time with the soiled doves. And this type of loving ain't free, obviously, and he soon finds himself a penniless. Instead of going out and finding a job like you and I would do, he forms a gang, and he begins to make money by robbing stagecoaches. Henry finds himself in jail yet again due to a botched robbery, but he is soon acquitted due to the lack of evidence. And in 1861, he gets into an argument with a man over a soiled dove, and he shoots that man. He is arrested yet again. But he somehow manages to kiss the jailer's ass with bribes. And he's soon a free man again. And this time he flees to Oregon. Henry Plummer, he keeps doing shit like this. And really there's no consequence to his actions. And he keeps getting away with it. He may spend a little time in jail, but really, baby, it's just a slap on the old wrist. A kid in school who misbehaves. His time would be served more in detention than what Henry Plummer serves. So he keeps, of course, doing what he does best, being up to no good. Because he's getting away with it. Why not keep doing it? In a strange turn of events, Plummer, he connects with this man who is believed to have killed the local sheriff. Both men are wanted. And Plummer gets word out that both Mem and the sheriff killer, well, they've been legally hanged. So basically, you guys don't need to keep searching for us. Manhunt, over. No need to worry any longer about these two gents. One big sigh of relief, folks. (laughs) I don't think so. Little does Plummer know just how accurate the statement will be later on. But for now, he is still alive and kicking and acting a fool. He forms yet another gang where he and his men, well, this time they begin to steal from mining camps. One night, Plummer is acting loud and belligerent and obnoxious in a saloon, and the saloon keeper, Patrick, he is getting so sick and tired of this bullshit. He kicks out the rowdy gang. Well, Patrick, he's angry. He can't just leave well enough alone. like, okay, these guys are out of the saloon. So he follows the men, who are probably repeated offenders, and he begins to shoot at them. Plummer, he returns fire, and the result is fatal. Well, this does not sit well with the locals at all, and they form a lynch mob and search for Plummer, and he does what he does best. He flees. In 1863, Plummer heads to Bannock. While he is there, he forms yet another gang. He just can't seem to sever ties with that part of his life. It seems that he just cannot go on the right path. You go to a new place, new beginnings? No, he's just recruiting these other men for this new gang. It is excruciatingly foreign to this man to be on the right path. One fateful night, while frequenting Bannock's Goodrich Saloon, Him and a gentleman named Jack Cleveland, well, they get into a heated argument. The end result is Jack getting shot by Henry. The injured man, well, he dies a few hours later, but, my friends, you better believe his last words were about how corrupt Plummer was. And guess what? The man, he is arrested yet again, but he has lady luck on his side, as always, and he is acquitted. A witness comes forward saying that the shooting was in self-defense, And I'm guessing that this so-called witness was probably one of his gang members. The Ways and Bannock, well, you know, they were deadly and dangerous. And the locals, they were desperate for some form and sense of law. Two men, they step up to take control and be sheriff. One is the local butcher, a gentleman named Hank Crawford. Folks, they admired Hank. They trusted him. They knew that he had their safety in his interest. He truly cared. So we have Hank the Butcher, well-respected individual. And do I need to even tell you who the second person is? Probably not, but I'll say it anyways. It was Henry Plummer. People, they feared him. They loathed him. They straight up despised him. They didn't trust him. With every ounce of their souls, they did not trust Henry Plummer. Guess who won? And the badge and gun and the title of being sheriff goes to drumroll, please. Da 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 da. Hank Crawford the Butcher. Plummer, he was somewhat shocked at his loss and he goes in search with shotgun in hand for the victor, the newly elected sheriff. Thank God a friend saw that Plummer was up to no good, and he runs and he tells Sheriff Crawford this, and he is warned, and he is waiting for him. By the time Plummer finds Crawford, Sheriff Crawford is prepared, and he shoots Plummer before he can do any damage, not only to Crawford, but to the civilians as well. This would sadly not be the end of the destructive plumber. He sees red when he gets shot. He practiced full-heartedly. You see, he was actually shot in the right arm. Useless now for shooting. He was on a mission, and after a short while, he actually became a master with shooting with his left arm. Sheriff Crawford, upon hearing this disturbing news, well, he quickly resigns, he turns in the badge... And the beloved sheriff slash butcher, he leaves town immediately. He knows Henry Plummer all too well in his dirty ways and knows that the end result will probably leave him in the ground. Much to the dismay of the locals. Well, you know, obviously this pleases the corrupt plumber, And he is more than anxious and excited to jump into that position of being sheriff. In his heart, in his mind, he should have been the sheriff this whole time. Now, the right person is in the seat. <laughs> no, by this time he and his gang, which is known as the Innocents—quite an inappropriate name, considering—they are flourishing with well over one hundred members. With the new sheriff comes disorder and lawless acts. And several weeks of Plummer becoming sheriff, over one hundred citizens of Bannock, they are murdered. It is because of the innocence and the severely corrupt and murderous Sheriff Plummer that Bannock and surrounding areas, they gather secretly, and guess what, you guys, the Montana Vigilantes were born. Members of this organization would visit the outlaws in the late night and post warnings, often including a skull and crossbones with the numbers 3, 7, 77. I am kind of unsure what these numbers actually mean, but interesting enough, to this very day, 3-7-77 is on the Montana State Highway Patrol patches. Now, thanks to Henry Plummer, gallows, they were constructed under his order. The vigilantes, they would use those gallows to hang over 20 men. As one was being strung up, he cried out, saying that Henry Plummer, he's the man behind this all. And indeed, Sheriff Plummer was the mastermind behind all the crime and the murders that Bannock was seeing. After some investigating into this accusation, it was believed that it rang true and was legit. And that Plummer, he just had to go. He was, he was not a good guy. He was not going to stop And he basically considered himself quite untouchable. And at this point, up until then, he had been untouchable. So they track him down and one cold midday in January of 1864, a posse is formed and they apprehend Plummer and his two henchmen, his deputies, and they are taken to the gallows that he himself had built. His two deputies, they are hanged first. Plummer, in a last-ditch effort to save his own pathetic life, he claims that if his life is to be spared, that he would show the men where he had hidden $100,000 in gold. It was buried in a secret location that only he knew about. His pleas, they are ignored, and he is ultimately hanged. The bodies, there are left swaying in the wind from the gallows for some time. The three men are unceremoniously buried less than 100 yards away from the gallows where they gasped for their last breath. This area is dubbed Hangman Gulch. Henry's grave was robbed at least two different times, possibly more. One is known to be by the local doctor who wanted to learn more about his gunshot wound injury that he had survived from when the... At the time, sheriff and butcher Hawkins had shot him. The other was from two drunks who wanted to show off to their friends. Hey, look what we did, you know. So they took the dead outlaw's head, brought it to the bank exchange saloon, and the skull would stay presented and displayed behind the confines of the bar for several years until the saloon perished in a fire. This phenomenal state park is believed to be extremely haunted. It has several different haunted locations to go and check out. To your paranormal loving heart's content, one of those places is the Bessett House. Longtime resident Abed Amity Bessett was one of many vigilantes who knew their sheriff, Mr. Plummer, was up to no damn good. And he helped put a stop to the murderous gang's ways. He was a good man with a huge heart and lived an honest living. He raised sheep, and at one point he owned the Hotel Mead and the Bank Exchange Saloon. He opens his home to the sick who stay to recover or to die here. the 1880s, they proved to be a fatal time for the little wee ones, for at least 14 babies died here due to smallpox. It was a quarantine home, for sick children, many young lives would end here due to epidemics like typhoid. Bessett, the man who opened his home to the sick, he dies here in Bannock in 1919. Many reports have come in about people hearing the sounds of babies crying coming from the Besset house. Also heard often is disembodied children's voices. And another haunted location is the Hotel Mead. This is the hotel that the ever-so-generous Bessett owned at some point. It's a gorgeous two-story brick building that was built in 1875 with the hopes and dreams to become the first courthouse in Beaverhead County. It does not last long, however, as in 1881, the county seat is moved to Dillon, and the building remained empty until 1891 when a doctor named John Singleton Meade buys the property and life is restored back into the old lady, and it is turned into a hotel. And at some point, this hotel, it is converted into a hospital, and epidemics like typhoid and smallpox come through. It closes its doors for good in the 1940s during the time when many people are leaving town. Visitors have seen apparitions and ghostly faces looking out the hotel's windows. It is said that some of the spirits here are comfortable around children, and, well, at times they will try to approach them and even speak to them. The most well-known spirit here has to be Dorothy Dunn. Her father was the manager here at the Mead long ago. It's believed that she drowned in a nearby pond back in 1916. She can often be seen in the hotel's windows looking out. When folks see her, their description is always the same. She's always wearing this gorgeous blue dress. She is one of the spirits who actually loves children. She is drawn to them. She feels comfortable around them and she will often talk to them. An elderly woman has been seen here as well at this hotel. Many believe her to be Dorothy's mother. People who come here have experienced filling cold spots and getting high EMF spikes while at this location. Another location that has seen paranormal activity is Christmas store. The plumber gang who were hanged here long ago are believed to lurk throughout this store. So I'm guessing negative energy for sure. Disembodied voices and whispers are often heard here as well and shadows and apparitions. They have been seen here. When you come to Bannock state park, you are going back into time. You have the opportunity to see several different historic buildings in their glory. And it's one hell of a ghost town. And you may just run into a spirit. Many visitors have caught photo evidence, many without even trying. Scattered throughout the ghost town are certain structures whose doors will grow minds of their own and will just kind of open and shut when nobody is even close to them. Henry Plummer, the local dirty sheriff's full-bodied apparition, he has been seen here by many people roaming throughout the ghost town. Still walking the beat, it seems, or maybe he's just looking for his next victim to rob. He is usually seen in the vicinity of the saloon and the general store. Not only that, but his two main deputies who were hanged alongside him have been seen lurking about as well. So keep your eyes open. And if you do see Henry Plummer, ask him where that $100,000 worth of gold is stashed. I found a few personal experiences shared by people on Haunted Places Online. One is about a woman who shared that her and her husband were coming up on the town when they suddenly see this gorgeous elk just walking into the water. This woman wanted to capture this moment, as would I, can't blame her. So her husband parks the car and she quietly but quickly heads towards a gap between the brush and the trees. And as she is doing this, suddenly out of nowhere, she hears this woman's voice warning her, I wouldn't go any further if I was you. The woman looks around, but nobody's there. This individual would soon find out that she was in the area where poor Dorothy Dunn had drowned as a teenage girl so many years earlier. I have to say that I would have done the same thing. I always have to laugh because if you look on my camera, it's hundreds upon hundreds of pictures, no doubt, whether it's on my camera or on my phone. I am a picture taker big time. And there are always two things that will be on the camera. Haunted stuff, old abandoned buildings, what have you, and animals. I looked through my recent... SD chip from my summer last year and all I see on there is foxes and coyotes elk and snakes and just So many different types of birds. So when I see an animal I get super Excited and stop and have to take a million pictures. And so when she saw that elk I got excited. I was like yes (laughs) so another personal experience has to do with a woman who visited in the last few years. And she had shared that she had the guidebook that you can buy at the gift store. And she was waiting to read up on each building until after she was done visiting with them. She talks about going into the Bessett quarantine house where she is overwhelmed with a severe wave of despair and sadness. She begins to then feel really sick. Her head is pounding her throat. It feels like it's on fire. And that's happened to me before, too, during an investigation, where all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you're feeling awesome, you're feeling great, everything's going on, you're happy, and all of a sudden you just feel depressed, you're feeling very sick. There's been times where I've almost thrown up at a location during an investigation, and oh my god, it just, it's, it's horrible feeling. After she leaves the structure, she reads in the booklet that several children have died there. She shares that the headache and the throat thing, well, it lasted for the rest of the day. She then said that she later on saw in one of the hotel windows a woman with the 1800s looking hairdo. She was wearing a white blouse and a blue skirt and she was standing by the window. Quote, she was totally solid, unquote. This woman, she closes her eyes and the woman, she fades away. And another woman said that while at the hotel, her and her husband both felt an extremely strong presence while there. And I believe that in the month of October, best month ever by the way, they host ghost tours. So something to look into my paranormal loving peeps. This week's special city shout-outs go to Musselburg, Scotland, Cave Creek, Arizona, Norwood, Ohio, Brookings, South Dakota, and... Earl's Cone, England. Did you guys enjoy this week's episode? Listen to the others, they're equally awesome. Haven't heard every single one yet? Well, really, there's absolutely no need to fret. You can bench listen to your heart's content right now by hitting up any of those spectacular podcast platforms, such as Blueberry, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Downcast, Hubhopper. Basically, wherever you may roam to hear your other spooky podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers podcasts lurking in the background. Do you guys have a spooky tale of your own to share? Perhaps you would like to be a future voiceover on an episode. Or maybe you have an idea for a topic that you would love to hear about sometime. I love recommendations and suggestions and having people on, so please feel free to reach out to me through my Facebook page on Paranormal Prowlers Podcast or email me at paraprowl at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody. You are so, so greatly appreciated, and we will see you next week.